0: Father, in the name of Jesus, we we give you thanks for today, and uh, we we ask you for your anointing, God, that you would be with us, that uh, your presence would rest on us today as we as we share the word, Father. I thank you, Lord, that um, the Scripture says that as as He was speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on some of them. Father, so I pray that even as we're talking, God, your your presence would come and just seal the word in our spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we love you. Amen. Amen. Okay, so. Uh, We've been talking about uh, taking offense, and uh, this is a big deal um, because I've I've felt it in my spirit. i felt it throughout the week that this is something that people are battling, and you know, I kind of would like to move on, but I just kept feeling like, man, this is something that's going on with us in our personal lives, away from when we're apart from each other, that people are battling offense, like people are really dealing with that thing. You know, offense... It. This, when you take offense, the point is to derail you and disconnect you. It's an assignment from the devil. It's an assignment from Satan to pull you out of the relationships you love the most. It's not, about, it's not offense usually with people you don't know. It's people that you're, you're tied to. People you're intimate with. And when offense comes, it's designed to cut you off. It's trying to keep you from the life source of God. It's trying to keep you from what God has for you. So um, I want to shine light on this. I want to talk about a couple different ways that this happens and, um, and how we can, we can recognize it and thereby overcome it. Our key verse we've been using is uh, Psalms 119, verse 165. It says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Great peace have they which love thy law. Law. So there is something about being immersed in the Word, loving the Word. The Bible says those people have great peace, and those people who carry peace, nothing shall offend you. When peace is resident in your spirit, you don't get offended by circumstances, you don't get offended by social media posts, you don't get offended by by. Some, a comment someone makes to you in passing. When you are carrying the person of peace on the inside of you, it stands as a, as a good kind of stronghold that defends your heart. A lot of times we talk about strongholds in the, the realm of bad ones. You know, like a stronghold of, uh, of, uh, of pride. Someone's got a, a belief system about who they are and they're proud. That's a stronghold of pride. But you know, you can have a good stronghold of peace. I mean, David hid in strongholds. You can have a healthy stronghold that says, I love the law of the Lord. The Lord is my peace. I do not get my peace from people. I do not get my peace from our government. I do not get our peace from my circumstances. I don't get my peace from my provision, from my bank account. That's not what gives me peace. My peace comes from the law of the Lord. And it gives you a a stronghold, a fortress, that when the enemy comes in, the Bible says, and nothing shall Offend them. Um, the parable that we talked about last week was the parable of the sower. And so we know the parable of the sower is the sower is is the Lord. The ground, the soil, is the type of heart that the seed goes into. And the seed is the word of God. And so there's four different types of soils in there. Mark chapter 4, verse 16, and says, And these are they likewise, which are sown on the stony ground. A stony ground. A stony heart. When they have heard the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves and so endure for a time afterward when affliction or persecution arises for the the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Offense is about stealing the word that was sown in your heart. It is about robbing you of what God has for you. Satan does not have the ability... To contaminate the word. He only can try to contaminate the soil. The word is pure. When the word is spoken, it's undiluted. When we declare the word of God, it goes out in power. It goes out in strength. So Satan can't stop that. He doesn't have the authority to stop him. And he surely can't stop the sower. But what he can do is he can contaminate the soil. Wow, that's good. And so it says these kind of people, they have a stony heart heart of stone. How do we get heart of stone? How do we get our hearts hardened? Often it's by life circumstances. Often it's by pain. unforgiveness, pain, hurt, open wounds. You know, when we get wounded by life, you know how we survive when we got a wounded heart is we put up a wall. We put up a defense system. And that defense system is a stony heart. And Ezekiel, one of the promises of the Lord, he says, I will take out of you a heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. Amen. This is, the, this is the, the difference for us as believers that we do not have to live like the world lives. If the world is hardened, we do not have to be hardened. If the world is stony hearted, we don't have to be stony hearted. If the world is offended, we do not have to be offended. When we have an offended heart, it robs the word. It says you receive it with gladness, meaning you think you got it. Verse 17, it says that they have no root in themselves. When your heart is hardened by life, when your heart is hardened by throwing up a wall, it, it causes the roots not to go deep. It doesn't go deep on the inside of you. It doesn't, it doesn't have a longevity to it. It's a quick, it's a gladness. It's other words, for us, you're happy on Sunday. Oh, when Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday comes, by Thursday, you're just kind of, you're hanging on. You know, this is a stony heart. And so for us, we want to cast vision that we can live with the unoffendable heart of Christ. This is our promise as born-again believers, is that our old things are passed away, all things are made new, that we are a new creation. And that new creation, that, that is a new DNA that we have, that we are supposed to live unoffended unoffendable people. What would the, how would the world respond to unoffendable people? The world thrives through media, thrives through our news outlets, thrives through Facebook and Instagram on offense. They cause people to make decisions based on offense. They have people stir up disruption and discord based on offense. But our calling as people is to live unoffendable. Completely Unoffendable. Second Corinthians five seventeen, it said, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the person is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Ephesians 4 24, it says to put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created, and righteousness and in holiness and in truth. It's speaking of a new nature. Romans 6 11 says, So you too consider yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is a wild concept, dead to sin, you know. If you go to a gravesite and you, you hurl insults at some relative that may be wrong, you're not hurting them because they're dead, right? They're dead. You can't offend a dead person. Paul says, so to consider yourselves dead in regards to sin. Therefore, sin, verse 12, is not to reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the parts of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead, and your body as instruments of righteousness of God. Listen to verse 14. For sin shall not be master over you. Yes. Sometimes when you are fighting, wrestling with an offense, that's what it feels like. It feels like something is taking over you. Like you can't shake it. You go to sleep and you're thinking about it. You dream about it. and You wake up in the morning you're thinking about it. Offense comes to take over. It's not interested in meeting you and just taking part of your life. It wants to consume your thoughts. Offense wants to consume your decision making. Offenses are driving people now to throw bricks into stores because of offense. offended. Some of it's personal, some it's not even personal. Some it's someone else's offense. A borrowed offense. But driving because it's consuming. But the promise here is for sin shall not be master over you. That means we're supposed to look different. That we are not driven by offenses. We are not driven by that oppression. It is not allowed to keep you up at night. So I just want to tell you that when, if you feel that, just like Josh was saying, man, I felt that seizure coming on. I felt the enemy coming on. And I said, No. You know what that is? That is Josh growing in his authority, saying, in the name of Jesus, no. I felt it coming, and I told it, no. It's the same thing with offense. When you feel offense coming, you can say, no, it does not have to take over you. Sin shall not be master over you. Master is like, you know, a slave driver, authoritarian, over, over you. Sin is not in charge of our life. Today, um, you know, as we're talking about this, I felt like our, our motive was to shine light because we want to shine light on what the enemy's doing. Not because I want to highlight him, but I want to expose it because when, you, when, it, when it goes uh, undetected, it's when it gets difficult. When we allow the enemy to move undetected in our life and gain territory, And by the time you realize it's him, he's gained so much ground that it's tough. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, So that no advantage will be taken of us by Satan. For we are not ignorant of his schemes. That means he's got a plan. He is planning your demise. He is planning the next time he can get you off track. He's thinking about it. He's got a scheme. When I was uh, was little, um, uh, like my sons, I would set up traps in my house. And... uh, and I would set it for my parents. I remember one time I got corrected by my mom. She like spanked me about something. And so I thought, I'll show her. She's like, go, she's like, go to your room. And I'm like, oh, I got a room. And so I, uh, somehow I found a bunch of the cardboard like toilet paper roll things like the inside. And uh, I set it up in front of the door and just laid out probably like 50 of them. And I set a trip wire inside my, my door. I'm probably like, Twelve at this time, but I was like in trouble with my mom, and so my plan was, is that when my mom came, you know, to, to tell me whatever, I had a trip wire ready for her, and she was gonna come in, she's gonna trip over the wire and crash up those cardboard things, you know, and so I had a scheme that I was working. I was a bad kid. <laughs> You're for... him, him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and So I set it up for her, so she was going to, bam, she was going to hit it. My mom didn't come. My little brother Joel did. And he came walking through. I, I remember, I think I, I set it up, and then I must have got, got out of trouble, and I left. I wasn't even there. I was just walking around my house, and I hear this screaming, ah! You know, I don't know, what in the world is going on? And I go in, and... It's my little brother, splattered out in my room, and uh, I was like, "Oh, the tripwire." Ah. Skin. Yeah. Wow. Satan's there, and he's lying out the tripwire, and he's wanting you to get caught off guard. He wants to cut off your intimate relationships. That's just the first thing. I just felt like that's how I... The enemy wants to cut that out of your life. He wants to cut off what God's called you to do. He wants to cut you off out of where he's called you to be. You know, I, I know I know individuals right now that have blessings with their name on it, but they're not where God wants them to be. And so the blessing... They haven't got their blessing yet. But the blessing is sitting right there. It's literally sitting there with their name on on it. I'm like... It's defense. That's the work of the offender. Keep robbing people. It's robbing people man. We're supposed to look different. Maturity is learning how to recognize and resist an offense. James 4, 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. So you do not have to take an offense. You, you have the authority to resist. And I think that's probably the strongest message I could leave with us this morning, is that you can say no. You can do exactly what Josh did. You could say absolutely not. Luke chapter 17 verse 1. Jesus, he said to his disciples, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come. But woe to him through whom they come. Another translation says it's it's inevitable that offenses may come. But woe to them through whom they come. So this is a promise. You know, It's not exactly the one you want to highlight in blue and circle and Put on your refrigerator. And Jesus says, (laughs) offenses are coming. He didn't say they might come. He says they are coming. They will come. How's that for your prophetic word, right? Offenses are coming. Verse 2, it says, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to stumble. Verse 3, be on your guard, if your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, "I repent," forgive him. The apostle said to the Lord, "Increase our faith." So offenses are, are out there; they can definitely come. It says, "Woe to him through whom they come." So this really kind of opens the conversation of uh, what we call borrowed offenses. Some of you have probably heard that term. Uh, what a borrowed offense is exactly self-explanatory. It means you. Take someone else's offense. I mean someone else is upset about, about something and they shared it with you. And when they shared it with you, it became yours. Funny thing, you know, you, you can if you don't have enough offences, you can borrow someone else's. You know, <laughs> you can if you want to, you can go just use someone else's and take it. Yeah. Some people are are attracted to offense. They they thrive on offense. You know, some churches—they call them prayer Sharing your offenses, sharing your grievances. Let me tell you what I need prayer for. Well, we should pray for that. Get the whole crew stirred up, man. Offenses can can be borrowed. You know, it's hilarious to to, to see some of the things in our in our news outlets uh, where people are borrow offenses. Borrow offenses, it's, it's, a, it's a dangerous game to play. It says, woe to him through whom they come. It would be better for him if a we millstone were hung around his neck and he'd be thrown into the sea than that he would cause one of these little ones to stumble. A lot of times this is with parents and children. Borrowed offenses. Someone, you know, your kid didn't score the goal, Your kid didn't get, you know, uh, the same playing time as the other kids. You take the kids upset, upset, kids offended, parents offended. Parent goes talk to the coach. Whatever. Why can't why can't my kid play? The <laughs> <Your> kid sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's why I didn't get to play. I was a coach for a while. So I, I, I only did it for like a year. <laughs> I wasn't very good. But. Um, because my filter is just minimal, it's like that, it's like yeah. that kid, you know, it's like that. Man, that's parent. Parents get offended. What about how their kids are handled or corrected? You ever watched a parent correct their child and been offended how they corrected it? I know this one guy, and I hope he doesn't listen to this because he's my he's my friend. Um, uh, but when he would correct his kids, he didn't spank he didn't spank them. He would walk up to them and he would flip them in the head. I thought, ooh, I do not like that. That does not build. This, this builds. That does not build, and uh, I, I I hated that because he would, his his sons, his daughters, all of them, they didn't do it. He was telling them to do just right in the forehead. It's not natural correction. That's not, it's not a healthy way to correct children. You know, when you watch the way some some people correct their children, you can, you can take offense at that. Mm. Or how about this? Or their lack of correcting their children. Yes! <laughs> right? Why won't she or he, why won't she do something? Do something. And just brewing over this, what happens that, and then a couple of people start carrying the same thing. Why won't they do something? So they don't do it. Yeah, I know. They, they don't do it. Right? <laughs> this is real. That's the real deal. That little thing, is robbing the Word of God out of our hearts. That little, and do nothing. They can tell someone, they won't do nothing. It is stealing the Word of God. It is churning your soil to be unproductive. So when the Word comes, gladness but no root. Parent can't get a cold control of their kid. Can't get, her, I mean, i am bristled. with this one. Can't get your kid off your cell phone. Right? I mean, these are things we can but well, there's offenses. You watch how people parent. It's like, look at them, we can't get the kid off the cell phone. Look, I can't get mine off mine either. So we're working on it, you know. I'm trying. And uh, it's my fault, I introduced it, and I'm going to yank it away. So, um, <laughs> you know, um, I've, I've seen this quite often is parents that they're, they're wrapped around their kid's fingers. A kid runs the house. All right? A kid runs the house. The kids in charge. It destroys the kid. Destroys and messes them up. They're not supposed to be like that. So uh, don't let other offenses get into you. Um, you know, when, uh, when, you're, when you're a leader, in any, in any scenario, uh, particularly in ministry, people feel like that you're their garbage can. And they tell you all of their garbage. They bring you their junk. And um, they, they tell you, some, if it's something they're working out with, that's it's fine. We when they, need when they help overcoming something. that's fine. But sometimes people spill over and they just vomit on you. Mm-hmm. this like information. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a bit of mystery. They vomit on you information. I'm like, whoa. You know, you have, I just want to empower you that you have the ability to tell people, no, thank you. <laughs> this is simple, practical living, y'all. Just, I'm not interested. <laughs> you can take that somewhere else. <laughs> and it's okay to tell people no. It's not mean. if the Bible says to watch over your heart and guard it for out of it flow the issues of life. When people unload into you, That's garbage. Like, sometimes it's just junk. I mean, there are times when someone needs to vent, and you can can do that, but you know the difference when someone's pouring crap into your life. You know, if the devil can't offend you with his natural tools, with with media, with with news, with our government, with, with whatever, what he does is he introduces relationships. And through people, he brings in offenses. And then you have to make a decision. Will I share your offense because I'm your friend? Or will I still be your friend, but I'm going to reject your offense? Amen. You know, a lot of offense, it comes from a very insecure heart. People who struggle with offense all the time, like if, they're, if you're <laughs> regularly offended, I'm, I'll am bet you there's, a, there's an insecurity problem on the inside of you. You have trouble with where you're at. Because the scripture says, great peace have they that love the law, and nothing shall offend them. Meaning, you're good. Great peace have they. I'm right with God, and I'm right with people. That is peace. I'm right here, and I'm right here. Amen. When you're not right here and you're not right there, you're subject to offense. You're, it leaves room for insecurity. When someone, when insecurity comes through a relationship, and they say, "Well, this is what's going on. This is what's happening," they're looking for company. They're asking you, you know, misery—the same miserable company. They're asking you to join them, and you have to say no. You don't have to be a jerk about it, but I mean, you can be like. Wow, that, that's interesting. You know, the term interesting is the most uh, <laughs> universal, neutral. universal, neutral term you can use. I use it all the time. Yeah. And people are like, man, this is what happened at work. This is how they said what they said. This is how they treat me. I know what I say? That's interesting. That's interesting. <laughs> that's, interesting. <laughs> that's, good. That's, good. that's good. That's interesting. Some of you are like, ah, oh, you told me that before. <laughs> yeah. hey. That's interesting. You you can change the tone. That's interesting. Or that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and you can you can change it so that you know it's not the same. But you no, know, that's interesting. Just don't say that's interesting. Tell me more. Yeah, don't say that's interesting. Tell me more. That's a bad idea. You could you can kind of fool them. Make them, make them feel like like uh like you uh you know you're with them. You go. That's interesting. You know, and you could really make it sound like you're But there, there are natural ways to avoid offense and, and play neutral, um, you know. But anyway, so those are some things that <laughs> that I do, so if I ever tell you that's interesting, that's, that's why. Should we ask your intent? Yeah. i wonder if you've told me that before. Yeah, let me give you another keyword. Um, What if we've had offense, like, relationally? Here's a phrase you can use when you need to address it with them. When you said this, what did you mean? How about this one? What did you mean by that? Those are questions that people ask when they want a real relationship. And they're not interested in this, like, surface level. Yeah, fakeness. When you want a real relationship with someone, just ask them, hey, when when you said this, what did you mean by that? Brace yourself, everyone. Brace yourself for what's coming. But what you're saying is, I really want to know you. And part of overcoming insecurity is that we actually have to become, to be known. We have a need inside of us that is to be intimately known by others. And this will this will meet that need. When you say, "What did you mean by that?" or "Hey, when we were talking, I noticed this this look on your, your face. Is there something that was on your mind?" Wow. These are. It's good. And, and if they're offended because you asked about them, you say, "I'm I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't mean to offend you. I just I really would like to know you. I would like to understand you." It's relationships. It's the outworking of our love for one another. The outworking of bonding together in unity. You know, we've talked about our vision for unity and why. Because we're after the anointing. When you are addressing these things about offense, you're doing it with the intent of the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. You're doing it with the intent of being in one accord. You're doing it with the intent of saying, we value the anointing. Why do we have hard conversations? It's because we value the anointing. We value the presence that comes on the brethren that dwell together in unity. We value the commanded blessing that comes over us. So we will ask you, when you said this, did you mean that? This is what I thought you meant. Am I right? Was I wrong? Oh, don't judge me! Don't judge me! I'm not judging, I'm asking. Yeah. You know, so I just want to tell us like if someone asks you, what did you mean by that, don't think you're being judged. No one's judging. We want the anointing. It's our it's our key value. It's, it's what we're after. It's the ministry of the house, is the anointing. It's the ministry of the house to, to value the presence. It's the first ministry, the second love is, is the word. And then we outflow to the poor. But that is why we're asking those questions. And that's why you why should ask those questions as well. Let's, let's talk about this scripture in uh, Luke chapter 15. Prodigal son. Let's, let's summarize it just a little bit. Younger brother goes to father. Says, dad, I want my inheritance. Is it normal to get your inheritance before your parents die? No. was it probably dishonorable to ask that? Yeah, I think so. The father did not say, I cannot believe you asked me for that. Here it is. He gives the inheritance to the elder and the younger. Elder stays home. Younger goes out. Does some wild living. Spends it all. Thinks to himself, sitting with the pigs, if I was just a servant at my dad's house, I could be doing better than this. He comes back. Father makes him on the way. Restores him. Has a party. Puts a ring on his finger. Puts a cloak. Put a new robe on him. Shoes on his feet. Brings us to this place. Luke chapter 15. Verse 25. Younger son's rough at it. Verse 25. Now his now his older son, this one who stayed home, was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. Meaning the son was restored, while he was out. He wasn't there when he got home. And he summoned one of his servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received, received him safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came in, came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, Look! For so many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours. And yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. And so what he's offended about is that someone else is being celebrated. When someone else is being restored. When someone else is having a party. Now this is a real reflection of our character. How do you respond when other people experience victory? When you hear the testimonies of Joshua, whatever, what happens in your heart? God, I've been faithful all these years. I've been entitled. I've been coming. I've been, how come you haven't moved on my behalf? Because we celebrate the testimony, right? Like we cheer for the testimony. When people share testimonies, we know it's the spirit of prophecy. We know that it's released and that there's a power and anointing on it to, for God to repeat that again. And for His nature to be manifest among us in that, just like it was in that testimony, to become normal for all of us. And so when people are celebrated, what happens inside of your heart? Do you get offended? Do you think, how come never it never happens to me? Listen to the way he talks. Verse 30. But when this son of yours came. Notice he didn't say when this brother of mine came. He said when this son of yours came. He, he's disowning them. Who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes. You know what offended people do? They start throwing your dirt out at him. Look what he did. Look how he's been immoral. That's what offended people do. They start throwing the dirt out there. That's what he's doing. He's got it on display. He devoured your wealth with prostitutes. You killed the fat, and you killed the fat cat for him. Meaning, like, look at you. Like You killed it for him? You hear the accusation in this. Verse 31, he said to him, son, you have always been with me and all that is mine is yours but we had to celebrate rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found so you know what i'm saying here is the father is unoffendable the father would not take offense the father was asked for his inheritance not that son is saying i would rather have your money than have you And the father says, I'm not offended by it. Here you go. And when the son began to return back, he went and restored him. When the older brother begins to to mock the the younger brother, he didn't take offense. He says, we had to celebrate and rejoice. For this brother was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. Now, I think one of the lessons that we can learn here is learn to love like the Father. Man, how great is that love? It's that love for his children, that love for people that it kept him away from being offended. He could have been offended at any point in this story. He could have, could have been angry, and rightfully so. I mean, your son asked for your money instead of you. Rightfully so. But he chose not to. He's unoffendable. That's personal offense. about Matthew chapter 20, verse 8? Verse 1. Other Matthew chapter 20, verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. When he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius for a day, he sent them into his vineyard. He went out about the third hour and saw others staying idle in the market. And he said to those, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I'll give it to you. And so they went. Again he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and the same thing, and did the same thing. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing around and said to them, Why have you been standing here all idle all day long? And they said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. So he's hiring people throughout the work day. Verse 8: When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last group to the first. You know, it's interesting that he didn't start with the first group. He started with the last group. Had he started with, if he lined the guys up, this guy came first thing in the morning, this guy got here three hours late, this guy came three hours later, this one got three hours later. If he would have just started at this side, he could have saved them the potential for offense when he began to pay them. Verse 9, when those hired about the 11th hour came, each one received a denarius. When those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they grumbled at the landowners saying, these last men have worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden and scorching the heat of the day? But he answered and said to them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for denarius? Take what is yours and go, but I will give to last man the same as you. It is not lawful for me to do what I wish. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own? Or is your eye envious because I am generous? So the last shall be first, and the first last. If he had lined them up the other way, and he had paid... The first guys, these guys would take their money and leave. And the last guys would just get whatever they got. But because he started with the last guys, the people who got there early in the day got to watch everyone else get the exact same wage. There's an opportunity for offense. You know, I asked one of my pastors about this, and um, I was like, you know, what's the, what's the story here? Like, why, what's, what's the win for the guys who are here at the beginning of the day? <laughs> yes. Like they got—I mean, they should, should have up later. Yeah. You know, often of this is a, a question that gets asked at uh, at youth meetings. Why should I live for God now? Why can't I just get God, Why can't I just know God at the end of my life before I before I die and go off into eternity? Why don't I just live my own life for the first 60, 80 years of my life, and then uh, and then I'll come to know Jesus. Why not? Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the same response I think my pastor gave, gave me about this. So why, what's the benefit for the guy that got there first? So the guy who got there at the beginning of the day got to spend more time with the Father. He got to spend more time with the Master. You know, a life lived before God, you get to, you get to be with Him. That's the reward. Amen. You're both going to heaven. You're both going to know there. But one got to know Him intimately in the earth. So we tell her, "You've lived for God now. Live from now, and you'll know Him in ways that you wouldn't have known Him if you'd you waited to the end of your life. You get the same reward. Yeah, yeah you know what? there's there are men and women who have pioneered things in our faith that we just get to show up and enjoy. I'll be honest with you, there are so many guys who've pioneered years and decades believing for signs and wonders and believing for healing. I, re- I remember uh, growing up in a, a small assembly God's church. Uh, prophets would come to our church and they would tell us, there's going to be a day where God is healing people in the streets. There's going to be a day when people will be healed in schools. There's going to be a day when his presence will be poured out and he's going to touch people. We would hear this and it sounded so far-fetched for like, what's this guy talking about? Like, people being healed in public, people being healed in the streets. Are you serious? Like, that's going to happen? And we just think this guy's crazy, you know? We, thought all, we always thought our, We always think our prophets are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> they come my man, this guy's crazy. And I come into my 20s, and we just see it's, it's happening. Amen. And we're getting the same wages as those who started earlier in the day. We're getting the same reward as, as our fathers. What's the reward for them? they got to have more time with Jesus. And we get to have it. Don't be offended by, by the generosity of God. Man, when you see someone who comes in with nothing and God immediately blesses them, and you've been contending for a long time, that's a time where we, we tend to get offended. Is your eye envious because I'm generous? You know what we're offended by is the goodness of God. Most of the time, we're not offended by his judgment because we think we're we're fairly judgmental. You know, we think people deserve something. You know, if they've done wrong, we think yep, they they deserve the hammer brought down. You know, right? We we don't have we don't need assistance to be judgmental. But it's the goodness of God that offends people. Yeah. When you see God show up for someone who's a baby Christian, who's never given anything to the Lord, who's never been a giver, who's never given their time, and God just crashes in on them. And gives them everything they need. And you're sitting there like, are you serious? <laughs> There's this lady um, that uh, Jonathan Shelsworth, he led to the Lord in, in California in at in a tent city outreach. And uh, he led her to Jesus. Do you remember her name? Alicia. Alessia. Have you met her? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got her. I, I got her. Here. And uh, Jonathan led her to, to the Lord at a tent city outreach. And he paid for her to go to uh, to R to uh, RBI, our River University. He paid for her to go to Bible school, hmm. relocated her, yep. put her in an apartment, got her food, and she started going through the school. The school at right now. I think she was in their class. Was she in their oh, class? yeah, yeah, yeah. She's probably she was in the class. And she started practicing the principles of sowing and reaping, and she started getting abundance come to her like you would not believe. I mean, she got given a BMW. Crazy stuff. She was given a car, she's given away vehicles, she's given, been given back, she's got, she drives a BMW now. Yeah, it's crazy. You've never seen, I mean, the, the goodness of God demonstrated. And this is a woman who just months ago was living in the street. But she immediately came out of darkness into marvelous light, came out of the world and in her sin and has got rocked by God and is now operating in the kingdom and receiving the fullness back. And it says to him, do you, is your eye envious because I'm generous? It's the goodness of God. When you see God's goodness fall on somebody, or you see somebody get healed when you've been contending for decades, don't get offended. Celebrate. Celebrate. When someone gets breakthrough, celebrate. When someone else gets delivered, I've been I've been fighting for this for, for decades, and I've not got delivered, and they walked in, and they just got it like that. Celebrate. Celebrate. You know, we get... it. We get offended with authority, authority figures. Offense for us it always runs up; it very rarely runs down. It runs up in our relationships. It runs up with our boss. It runs up with the middle manager. It runs up with your with, with Pastor Adrian. You know, it it runs up. And very rarely do you, you get offended with someone that's under your authority. It's people that are that you're when you're under their authority. Learning to deal with those things. Um, It's just one step at a time. Matthew 11, verse 4. We're almost done. You know, John the Baptist was out, in in John 1, he's out proclaiming the Lord. He's preaching... And, uh, you know, I'm a voice of one crying in the wilderness. I'm coming to prepare a way for the Lord to make, make this path straight, you know. And he's preparing for Jesus to come. He's baptizing people looking for the Messiah, baptizing and looking at him. and like, nope, that's not it. And baptizing another one, think, like, nope, that's not it. And then one day, Jesus comes and he says, Behold the Lamb. He has a revelation. This is the Son. Jesus comes down to be baptized. And he's going to baptize him. And uh, he says, Jesus, I really need your baptism. And Jesus says, no, I need, I need this to fulfill the law. Baptize me, John. Baptizes him. And he sees the Spirit of God come descend on Jesus in the form of a dove. And they hear a voice out of the heavens saying, this is my son, Mama, please. So John knows this is the Messiah. Because John is going, doing his prophet thing. He ends up in jail, you know. And uh, he ends up in jail and uh, he's sitting in prison. Verse 2, Matthew 11, verse 2 says, now, while John, now, now, when John, while in prison, heard the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the expected one? Or do we look for someone else? So, John has a revelation that Jesus is the Christ, and so he knows. What was the Messiah going to do? He's come to set the prisoner free. He's come to set the captive free. And John's sitting there. Wow. In prison. Wow. And so now wow. he's rolling back in his mind. Was that really him? Wow. Go ask him, is, that, is this the Christ? And Jesus answered and said to him, now, verse 3, it says, And he said to him, Are you the expected one, or shall we look for someone else? Verse 4, And Jesus answered and said to him, Go and report to John what you, what you hear and see. Verse 5, The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Verse 6, And blessed is the one He does not take offense in me. I think when we get offended with God, it's because we're more focused on what He's not doing than what He is doing. If you will take your attention and say, what is God doing? Not what is He not doing. You know, Jesus, there, there are scenarios where it showed up and it says that He healed them all. But you know, the woman with the issue of blood... He had to pass by her. The Bible says she reached behind him and grabbed the hem of his garment. That means Jesus was coming. She's here in the miracle line waiting for Jesus to come. And she said, okay, I finally made it. I've spent all my money on positions. I've spent all my money on whatever. This is my last shot. This is the miracle worker. And he's coming. And she stands there. And he keeps going. That's the opportunity for offense. When he hasn't touched you, he literally passes her by. But she's not offended. She follows behind him and says, "I'm getting my miracle." When you overcome offense, it is an it is the it is a step into the miracle realm. It is a step into the supernatural. It is accessing the Lord. When offenses come and you make the leap. Man, you're stepping into something supernatural. When you can stand in the line and get the denarius, like everybody else got the denarius, and you celebrate that, you are stepping into the things of the kingdom. When you celebrate your brother who's returned home, and God has a ridiculous party for him, you know, like that, what's her name again? Alicia. Uh, Alicia. When God gives, that's exactly what's happening. She's given the clothing, she's given. Uh, the promises of the Lord are demonstrated right forever and you celebrate that, man, you're, that is the pathway of the maturity. That is like growth on steroids. Like You're going to accelerate when you refuse to be yeah. offended. When Jesus passes before you and it looks like you missed him and you decide, to, I'm going to go get him anyway. You, I'm telling you, you're going to step into something powerful. So this should expose it. When you have opportunity for offense, you just be thinking, I'm going to jump over this hurdle, and I'm going to get a hold of something. Yeah. Just set your eyes on getting over it. When we say get over it, that's what we mean, get over it. Like, it's getting over the offense. Getting over the hurdle, because there's something on the other side. And we have to become aware that there is something on the other side, that if we will get over that, if you won't be stopped by that, you're going to access something powerful. I'll do one more story. Uh, Mark chapter 7, verse 24 Jesus got up and went, away, went from there to the region of Tyre. And when he had entered a house, he, want, he wanted no one to know of it, yet he could not escape notice. But after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. Verse 26. Now the woman was a Gentile of the Syrophoenician race, and she kept asking him to cast... The demon out of her daughter. So this woman has a few obstacles in, in, against her. One, she's a woman in that culture. Two, Jesus did not want to be noticed. And three, she's a Gentile. Jesus the Messiah was coming for the house of Israel. It was not her, her time. It was not her dispensation. It wasn't her era to experience what she was asking for. So she's a woman in that culture. A Gentile, and Jesus was not looking to be noticed. Man, I've done some wild things pursuing other revivalists. Like, I've chased down Lance Wano to his hotel room at, <laughs> at, at, a, at a Holiday Inn. I went I was, I, when we had harvest cold, we had apostles stand in front, and they said, Come according to your hunger. I ran and jumped over rows of people That's to come. Like, you have to be willing to go after the things of God. And you don't, we have no right to things to the things in God that we've not pursued. We wow. have the responsibility to pursue. Wow. Wow. That one with the issue of life, pursued. We'll teach on it one day. It's called, uh, what's called, lumbana. It's, a, it's about a grace, it's, a, it's an accessing of grace. It's about impartation, to take hold of something by your spirit of the spirit so that's what's happening here she's trying to lay hold of something verse 27 and he was saying to her let the children be satisfied first who the children of Abraham he's talking about the 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 children of Israel it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to dogs there's a couple of things that happen here one you get God's part on how he values his people Israel the children of Abraham. He had a value for them. They were up here, everyone else was down here. I'm not going to take the children's bread and throw it to dogs. Two, that's a pretty big slap there, too, right? <laughs> the in other words, we are the children, these are the children of Israel, and you are not. Yeah. You're not. Okay. Dog. That's four reasons to not get her miracle. She's a woman in that culture, she's a Syrophoenician of the Gentiles. Gentile of the Syrophoenician race. Uh, he didn't want to be noticed, and he calls her a dog. <laughs> Verse 28. But she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under, under the table feed on the children's crumbs. And he said to her, Because of this answer, the demon has gone out of your daughter. Wow. And going back to her home, she found the child lying on the bed, and the demon having left. Wow. He says, because of your answer wow. because of her answer she accessed someone who didn't want to be found yeah. because of her answer she a Gentile woman approached uh, you know a, a male mm-hmm. and because of her answer she accessed something that was not even in, in her time wow. she was out of time completely Jesus knows that this gospel will be preached into the ends of the earth. To preach the gospel to all creation. Those are his like departing words. So Jesus knows there's going to come something. Something's going to happen. And we know that what happened, it was Peter sitting on the rooftop and a sheet is descending with unclean animals representing the Gentile people. And God says to Peter, take, kill, and eat, saying this gospel isn't just for the children of Israel, but this gospel is for all people. That's when she could get her miracle. Was well, I don't know how many years later that would have been. Maybe Mark knows, but how many years it had been later? Whatever, whatever. Peter had that encounter with God. That's when she could have got her healing. There was going to be an era where she could have get it, but it wasn't this moment. She refused to be offended. She got her miracle. Wow. But I think she also did something as well that that reflected the nature of Jesus. Yeah. He calls her a dog. And she says, even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. In other words, if I have to become a dog to get my daughter delivered, then rough, rough. (laughs) If I have to become a dog, then I'm a dog. Then I will be a dog. You know what? The father had children that were demonized. Children in the earth that were Possessed of something that were separated from him. And the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. God on his throne says, If I have to become like a man to get my children delivered, I'll do it. And she says, If I got to become a dog to be. be To get my daughter delivered, she said, I'll do it. So when she manifests Christ likeness, God says, I got to do something. There's something about when you manifest the nature of Jesus, it moves heaven and earth. It breaks all cycles. It breaks timelines. It grabs something that was years later and pulls it into that moment. Because when you manifest Christ, you are a witness in the earth. It's you've touched eternity and you brought that realm in. She says, I will become like a dog to be, be, to get my, get my, uh, my daughter delivered. And when when she does that, God's saying that, that look, that looks like my boy. I got to bless it i got to do something. Every time you choose to overcome offense, you step into Christ's likeness. When you overcome offense, you become more and more unoffendable. And you manifest heaven on earth. And I'm telling you, when you choose to overcome offense, you're opening up. It's not just getting over it and we're all in unity. You're opening up a, a realm here. Because it's not natural. When you do things... On earth as they are in heaven, and you become a reflection of Jesus in the earth, you open up something, guys. I'm telling you, you you open up the realm of miracles, you open up the realm of blessing. You know, in, in giving, I'll tell you, I, I love to teach, teach on giving. When there are times when I've given and I've given to the point that I feel it. You know what I mean? Like you can give ten bucks and you don't feel you ten bucks. But I've gone to conferences where the Lord spoke to me like, I need, I need to sow. And I need to, I need to push myself past where I've been. I need to go to this other place. And I need to give out here. And I give to the point that it's almost offensive to myself. Like, oh, you ever given, and and you Ow. feel it? You know, you get like, oh, man. And you know what? When you do that, you're, you're choosing to get past some things. You learn to get past some things, you get over them. You start start to fly higher. And the things that used to be a distraction to you, you, things that used to cause you to stumble, they don't stumble anymore. They don't make you stumble anymore. You start growing. So let's pray for this. Um, Let's ask God for this right now. Holy Spirit, Father, we ask you to grant us the unoffendable heart of Christ. God, just like the the Father in uh, Luke 15, as he had opportunity to be offended, God. He, he did not be offended. As a Sarphanician woman, she refused to be offended. She refused to be offended. And she accessed the miraculous God. Like the woman with the issue of blood, she refused to be offended that she was passed by. And she apprehended something uh, in the Spirit, Father God. We know, God, that when we manifest the nature of Christ in the earth, Father, it is, it is explosive in the earth that we can we can touch of the things of the heavenly realm, Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I just want to pray over us that if anyone has like this kind of empty feel of the those little little demons that come and they bring offense, I just want, we just say we resist that now in the name of Jesus. We call it exposed and we rebuke offense, offense with the church. We say no to your offense with the church in Jesus' name. That it, when it's come in and knock you off track. We take authority over it in the name of Jesus and we say, Go in the name of Jesus. We say, Go to the spirit of offense in Jesus' name. We say, Go. We command the spirit of offense to get off of the people of God, to get off of the children of God. In the name of Jesus, we submit to God under His lordship and we resist the spirit of offense. That it comes to disrupt our relationships, that it comes to disrupt our peace, that's come to bring division even in our own household. We say no to the spirit of offense, and, and even as it's come in and tried to divide within families, we say no to it in the name of Jesus, Father God. And now, God, we ask you for a flow of grace. To be released right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord. Release your grace to flow on the inside of us, God. Where offense dwells, we ask you that grace would flow. Grace would flow. That we declare, Romans 6, that sin shall no longer be master over you. But the Lord is master over you. The Lord is master of you. Great peace has them that love thy law. And nothing shall offend them. That we are this people. Nothing shall offend us. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, Amen. we love you. Yes. We ask you to seal it right now. Thank you. Seal it right now. Yes, Let's take a minute. Let's pray. Yes, we seal it now. Yes, we seal it now. We seal it now. It's sealed now in Jesus' name. Yes, God. We seal, we seal it. We seal it. We seal it. We close up those uh, wounds of offense. We close up the wounds of offense. And you've been needing closure. So we say we declare closure. Now, it takes closure to heal a wound. And so we declare closure over you. In the name of Jesus. Closure. that it's done. It's gone. And yesterday does not have authority over today. In Jesus' name. We bless you, Papa. Yes, Grace, 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 grace. Great grace. 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 In Jesus' name. Grace. Grace. Amen.